Welcome to Between the Bullet Points, a podcast series that celebrates the journey and lessons about vocations and career paths. My name is Sean McDonald, and I'm your host for what I know will be interesting and insightful experiences from a variety of professionals across an entire spectrum of occupations. When we look for a new job, it's standard that we submit a resume, which contain bullet points with job titles, responsibilities, education, and other information. However, we rarely share the thoughts and stories that occur between the bullet points, and those can be some of the most significant parts of a person's career. This project seeks to inquire more about a person's professional journey that is not always evident from their resume. The career stories that guests will share are unique, interesting, and seldom told. I believe that each of our stories should be shared, as they can be inspirational and lessons for other people to start or influence their career paths and decisions. In this first edition of Between the Bullet Points, I thought it'd be appropriate to share my own story. I'm having a wonderful career in education now for the past 30 years, the first half as a teacher and the second half as an administrator. Currently, I'm a director of career and technical education for a county vocational and technical school district. My responsibilities are to facilitate curriculum, supplies, equipment, and a large amount of grant funding to support student education and preparation for careers, whether their pathway is direct entry into employment or it goes through post-secondary education. The story that I will share is how I got where I am today, and I certainly didn't start my career thinking that I'd one day end up being a director of career and technical education. Like most people, I was always a bit unsure of where my life and career would lead. I explored many options, had decisions to make along the way, but to share my expanse of my journey, I need to start a lot further back than just 30 years ago. I grew up the youngest of seven children in a middle-class home. Mom was an executive secretary and dad was a guidance director at the local high school. I realized early on that I had mechanical skills and honed them during my adolescent years, first out of necessity and interest. Well, when I was in elementary school, extra money wasn't in the budget to purchase a bicycle for myself. So, naturally, I inherited a well-used purple and white girls' bike for my sisters, complete with a banana seat and sissy bar. After watching my brother use the basic set of tools scattered around our garage to fix his bikes, I was determined to spend my saved allowance, as well as a few dollars I earned pulling weeds and cutting grass, to buy black spray paint, a BMX bike seat, handlebars, grips, and knobby tires. Quickly, I learned how the mechanical parts came apart and went back together. And soon enough, I had a pretty mean-looking girl's BMX bike. I continued my self-taught mechanics with tuning up our lawnmower and our tractor. Then I got in middle school. My oldest sister was an officer in the Navy Nurse Corps, and she brought me to a local car dealership where she bought a brand new Saab. I remember looking down from the sales floor into the pristine service space that had large toolboxes and a variety of luxury cars being serviced by sharp-dressed technicians. Right then and there, I envisioned my potential future. And in ninth grade, I eagerly started taking important classes, like electronics, drafting, and intro to mechanics and small engines. In the middle of 10th grade, I obtained my first real job working at Acme Markets, unloading trucks, stocking produce, bagging groceries, and collecting carts. In 11th grade, I started attending the Regional Vocational High School for Automotive Mechanics for the first half of the day at my local high school in the afternoon for those boring academic classes. 
I also turned 17 in the middle of that year, and with my wages from Acme Markets, I bought my first car from my parents, a 75 Ford Gran Torino for $900. It was important to have my own car, since I was more interested in working and making money than studying or working on homework. I learned that hard work and attention to detail helped me learn my job as well as get noticed, given more responsibility, promotions, and raises with additional duties. By the end of my junior year, working at Acme for a year and a half, I had already proceeded through the grocery store ranks, unloading trucks, stocking shelves, being a cashier, working alone in the produce aisle and kind of managing it in the off time, covering section managers when they went on vacation, and I was asked to be a night manager for the entire store on occasional summer nights. At that point, I didn't necessarily see my future in a grocery store career, though. During that summer before my senior year, and with my education in automotive from the vocational school, I took an additional day job at an Exxon gas station and service station as well as a mechanic's assistant. There, I was responsible for changing and repairing tires, changing oil, performing minor tune-ups. The owner would ask my opinion about gas prices, how the staff is being treated, and other things. It was near the end of that summer that I grew tired of burning the candle at both ends, and I started listening seriously to consider my future. I wasn't sure if career and automotive service would fulfill me either. I have always had the desire to enter the military in my life as well. And my parents' wish for me, like my other brothers and sisters, was purely to go to college. I wasn't sure about the college route, at least right away, as I was never really a good academic student. I lacked focus and attention to the subjects I really didn't care about. Besides, it always seemed like I understood concepts in math only after I was tested on them. My father's advice to me was just go to college and actually become a teacher. He was a history teacher before becoming a guidance counselor, but he didn't envision me to become a history teacher. He thought I should go to college to be an industrial arts teacher. I applied and I got accepted, perhaps with a good word from a certain guidance director that I knew, to Trenton State College for the fall of 85. I went, I lived in the dorm, and I met a lot of people. I really enjoyed my classes such as carpentry and metalworking, intro to teaching and public speaking. However, I still didn't apply myself to the academic subjects like English or chemistry, and I certainly didn't like getting up early for my 8 o'clock classes in psychology. I went home most weekends and spent holiday breaks and summers working on our newly acquired family-run lawn and garden equipment dealership business. There I held a unique combined position of small engine mechanic, parts person, sales associate, delivery driver, and with my brother, we opened the shop in the morning and locked it up at night. I also had to act as middle management to communicate with the staff of mechanics to keep repairs on track and communicate with the customers. I also ran into the reality that my first year living in college and paying my own bills used most of my savings I had in the bank from working during my high school years. The next year or more would be a little bit more difficult, especially since I was not eligible for other college grants or loans. To help pay for it. My parents didn't pay for any of our college expenses, and even though I was the last child to attend college, my parents were in the best financial position they'd ever been in. They told me, well, we didn't pay for any of your other brothers and sisters, so we're not paying for yours. My second year in college consisted of part-time classes at Trenton State, part-time classes at the county college, and full-time work at our family lawn and garden equipment dealership. 
It was difficult, but it actually ended up being a great year grade-wise. I found that since I was so busy, I really needed to budget my time and allocate my focus for what I needed to get done every single day. I would sometimes leave work in the middle of the day or early at the end to go to one of my college classes. Each night, I worked on my homework and projects until it was time to go to bed. There wasn't much time in between to be idle. My family eventually got out of the lawn and garden equipment dealership industry within a few years and took a lot of time, effort, and financing. But all of us really learned a lot from that venture. <clears throat> now, my family is pro-military, as my uncle served in World War II in Vietnam, and my father spent two years in the Navy just after the Korean War. Although, from the stories he tells, I swear he had much more time than two years in the service, but his separation papers don't lie. As well, two of my sisters, you know, that one that bought the Saab, and another one, numbers two and six in our family of seven kids, were both career Navy nurses. <clears throat> so I, too, had the desire to join the military. For the longest time, though, I wrestled with the ideas of how I would join the military. I researched a lot about it and heard a lot of stories. I worked with a variety of people uh, since I was 16 that had experience, and I always asked them about it, what branch they joined, and more. I was not sure whether I want to go into the military full-time or part-time as a reservist, or even which branch I wanted to join. At Trenton State, they offered Army ROTC, so I took classes for two years. Before the end of the second year, the only way to go on was to apply for a scholarship. The process was very competitive, and if you got one, the remaining two years of college would be paid for by the Army. As well, you would also choose at the end to accept a commission either as active duty or a reserve officer. That year, there were only two scholarships available. I was eventually offered one of them. During the time that I had applied, I had an interview by the board of people that were deciding, and I heard that I was offered a scholarship. I did some pretty heavy thinking. I was sure that I wanted to join the military in some fashion. I also wanted to get relevant skills from the military that I would apply to civilian occupation or career. I already had a very strong tie to the Navy, but I was considering the Army very carefully. But anyway, my sister connected me with a Navy recruiter that was also a Navy CB, which comes from the letters C and B for Construction Battalion. This branch of the Navy was formed during World War II, where they built runways on remote islands in the Pacific, erected and maintained field hospitals, barracks, showers, warehouses, and more. They were also trained to defend anything they were building, so they were trained to build and fight. My decision was made. I decided to respectfully turn down the Army scholarship and sign an enlistment contract for six years to be a Navy CB reservist and train to become a construction electrician. I could still see the Army Staff Sergeant's face when I told him what I had decided. He was not pleased. The following August, I shipped off the Navy boot camp. Then in October, I went to Gulfport, Mississippi, the home of the Navy Seabees for Advanced Training School, to learn the entry-level skills of a construction electrician. I came home in late February and started looking for a job with the intention of most likely going back to college in late August. My father connected me with a family member. I think it was a cousin or uncle twice removed or something. I worked for the railroad. I rode the train one day to Newark, New Jersey with him, the headquarters for New Jersey Transit. Within a week, I was offered a job as an apprentice electrician. 
I was also offered a job with a local resident electrician as his helper as I applied separately. Oof, another decision to make. But in the meantime, I had met back up with a previous friend from vocational school. He was now self-employed, and I decided to take him up on a job offer. So I spent the next four months working in construction, hanging sheetrock. We got paid by the board, so we worked four long days per week and hung at least 200 boards per day in houses in the Poconos that are just being built. It was demanding manual labor, but I was in the best shape of my life, and we made very good money for only four days of working per week. Think about how long I could have worked in a field like this. Well, it helped me solidify my next step. I was determined to get back to college with a renewed sense of direction, organizational skills, maturity, and the status of a military service person. I applied my reserve's pay to cover the cost of tuition, and I commuted full-time to Trenton State from home. It was about a 45-minute commute. Most of all, I realized that I truly wanted to become an industrial arts teacher, now known as a technology education teacher. But one weekend per month and two weeks out of each summer, I spent time with my fellow CBs in Battalion 21 to rehab marine barracks, rewire offices, warehouses, and I went to places like Camp Lejeune in North Carolina, Camp Pendleton in California, and to the Panama Canal. We worked with Marines for combat training, and they taught us a lot. I enjoyed qualifying with small arms, M16 shotguns, machine guns, mortars, and threw some hand grenades. But it was at Camp Pendleton where I learned to listen carefully and judge for myself to the wisdom and experience of others. There's a pretty stark difference between the advice of a seasoned gunny sergeant with combat experience and to the academic advice of a young commissioned officer when it came to the elements of field tactics, foxholds, fields of fire, and a fallback position, or whether or not to dig a grenade sump in my foxhole. Once I got past Gunny's colorful way of explaining things, I realized that this was a person of experience. Education means a lot, but you can't beat experience. It was an eye-opening experience for me to remain open to the discussion and ideas of experienced people, regardless of their level of education. I'm grateful for the time that I spent in the Navy. In the CBs, all rates and ranks typically work together to get the job done. In the reserves, that was especially true. Most of the people in the reserves also did similar jobs as a civilian, so I still got occupational training from experienced construction people during our time together. I was an electrician, but I worked closely with builders, plumbers, equipment operators, and more. I would help them smooth concrete, frame walls, run plumbing, and they would help me pull wire and run lights. The CME motto is, can do. And has also become central to my outlook on any task that I have given or choose to perform. I was honorably discharged as a second-class petty officer, construction electrician, after seven and a half years of service in the Seabees. I spent that summer and the following one working for the Town Recreation and Parks Department. I was tasked to work under the supervision of a horticultural expert where we planted flower beds, trimmed trees and hedges, dragged and raked baseball fields, lined soccer fields, cut grass, and cared for parks. The job and my supervisor taught me a lot about horticulture, planting, and taking care of nature in parks. And when I returned to Trenton State, I realized that my major had now been totally transitioned from industrial arts into technology education. It was a modern curriculum to combine resources and materials, tools, skills, and technology to solve problems. 
I graduated with a bachelor's degree in science with a major in technology education and specialty in graphics. I quickly got a job offer to teach TV and video productions and photography in high school, and I accepted. However, in August, I received a phone call from my new supervisor, and he relayed that the teacher that worked in the same department at the middle school wanted to take the high school position. He had seniority, so I was offered his job at the middle school teaching 6th grade industrial arts and 7th and 8th grade technology ed education. So, I agreed. That first year went fast. I got my first brand new truck, my first apartment, and I learned about how it truly took things to the next level to really become a teacher. Near the end of that year, the teacher that was previously at the middle school, now at the high school, requested to return to the middle school for the next year. I said yes, and we swapped duties. I spent the next 13 years teaching TV and video, growing the program, and I even trained two more instructors to teach the intra-level courses while I worked with the advanced-level students. During the first few years, it also made sense to join a cohort of teachers to obtain a master's degree in instruction and curriculum. I learned so much during that time, and it really made sense to go through the program after I had already had some experience as a full-time teacher in the classroom. Having a master's degree also got me a pay raise. During summers and weekends, I worked as a handyman, <clears throat> and later, part-time at my brother's auto body shop. I started an event videography business, recording weddings, bar and bat mitzvahs, and sporting events as well. It was fun, and it was a lucrative business, especially as a side business, and it gave me great knowledge and practical experience that I could bring to my classroom. I liked being a teacher very much. I enjoyed the subject that I taught, and working with the high school students was a wonderful challenge with rare dull moments. However, I realized my desire to continue my career path in education, but now I wanted to become an administrator. I went back to school for a second master's degree, this time in school administration to obtain principal certification and a position where I can be of greater help to teachers, students, and the school community. Around that time, I was rewarded with the best compliment any teacher could ever receive. Let me explain. From time to time, former students will return to school and visit their previous teachers, and often they would stop and say things like, this was my favorite class, or you were my favorite teacher. Each of these comments are flattering, but on one particular occasion, I had a discussion with one of my former TV and video students when he came back to visit and happened to say both com comments. I proceeded to ask my former student, why? I said, I'm just curious. What made it about my class or something that I did to stand out like that? I'd love to know so I can continue doing what is obviously important. He said, it was because you cared. In other words, it wasn't the subject matter, the technology, or the projects. It was the connection between the educator and student, the concern for student learning and their well-being, the importance of greeting every student every day, and the emphasis on student learning, not on my teaching. Or perhaps it was helping them to overcome obstacles that prevented learning or the feedback and support for a job well done and their creativity, creating a positive atmosphere, and maybe a few jokes here and there. I've always been aware of many of these things throughout my career, but that day it all seemed to make sense, and they should all continue to be part of my mission as an educator. By the time I was in my late 30s, I completed the master's program in school administration, 
I was married to my wife for six years, and we were raising our three-year-old daughter. We often cruised in the summers and skied in Vermont and New Hampshire in the winters. We decided it would be our next goal to move to New England, perhaps New Hampshire, where I would get a position as a school administrator, and we could enjoy even more nature and outdoor activities. We could possibly live a more simple life, drive in a little less traffic, and hopefully have lower bills and expenses. So, shortly after applying to a variety of administrative openings in New Hampshire, Vermont, and Massachusetts, I interviewed and was offered a position as principal of a 90-student pre-K-6 to elementary school in Vermont. Well, I accepted, and we moved to Vermont. It was a very interesting experience where I helped to bring new technology to the school, get experience as a principal, and help to transition the school from previously difficult supervision into a climate of support and new adventures. My wife and I also found property in a new development with three and a half acres and set out to build our dream home. We hired a company to erect a shell of a post and beam, hired subcontractors to roof inside the home, as well as to install the mechanicals, and I proceeded to use my experience in the construction to wire the home, frame the interior, and build some extras. My wife and I worked tirelessly, side by side, to paint the walls, finish the floors, and outfit and finish the home with all that we needed and desired. I truly enjoyed my experience as an elementary principal, and I learned a great deal about being a leader, how to treat staff, facilities planning and maintenance, how to work with the school board and community, and proceed when a staff person unexpectedly passes away, and a host of other things. However, I learned that I enjoyed being a larger working environment. It was located in a pretty remote mountain town, and conditions got pretty tricky in the winter, and there was very little room for advancement or salary. The overarching goal for us was that life should have become less hectic and less expensive, but it actually wasn't either of those. Near the end of my second year there, a position in a regional vocational high school became available as an assistant director. This interested me greatly. I applied, got interviewed, and I was accepted the position. The Wyndham Regional Career Center in Brattleboro, Vermont, received students from all across Wyndham County and across the river in Hinsdale, New Hampshire as well. It offered vocational programs, now known as Career and Technical Education, or CTE, in construction, machine tool technology, forestry, horticulture, automotive, protective services, culinary arts, business, electronics, video, dance, and theater. It also offered a program for special needs students to explore and transition into programs and evening adult classes as well. Along my career, I had given thought to where my life had been and where it was leading. It was during my time at WRCC that the expanse of my experience, the jobs that I had in education and career were all put to use and focus. I realized that career and technical ed education is truly my vocation. I consider myself a jack of all trades and master of none. I've seen through the eyes of a vocational technical student, a teacher, and an administrator. I learn best by doing with hands-on project-based activities. I have a variety of experience in jobs and trades as a worker, a leader, an entrepreneur, and an educator. Career and technical education is where I belong. It's my passion and something that I want to prepare others to enter and provide them with the best preparation that will set them up for opportunities and growth to be successful throughout their lives and careers. Overall, this was another great experience. 
Coming to WRCC, I was an administrator already with two years of experience, and I wanted to gain more. I learned about modern career and technical education, program development, college articulation, recruitment, revising policy and practices, and how to handle more difficult situations. Being an administrator, you have to deal with the situation in front of you to make a decision, delegate when necessary, communicate as much as you can, and think, 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 so you get things right. Well, most of the time. It's much like being a law enforcement officer where you can't afford to get things wrong. Experiences deal with death of a student and instructors behaving very badly with students and other things will make you realize that if you're able to do the job of an administrator or not. Similar to when my wife and I made a personal decision to seek professional opportunities in New England, we were now making a decision to move out of Vermont. This decision came rather easily, and it was mainly due to my wife's health situation after she was diagnosed and treated for an early stage of breast cancer. She recovered from surgery, but it made us realize that being six hours away from most of our family and friends was further than what we really wanted to be. As well, we did not adjust it as well as we had imagined we would to living in a rural lifestyle, and the stools were not as good as where we moved from. We decided that we wanted to go home. I applied to a number of administrative jobs in New Jersey, but it was very competitive. I interviewed for one, but was given to a person in-house instead of me. I then got an opportunity for a position as a program officer for the Office of Career Readiness at the New Jersey Department of Education, and I accepted. A few months later, we moved back to the same town we left previously, and we eagerly enrolled our daughter in the school system, where she spent just about two years catching up on the academics that she missed in Vermont or fell behind on. My job was good. I had a learning curve, but was grateful for the opportunity and enjoyed it and the opportunity to come back home. I also have to say that the professional experience that I received my work, especially during Vermont, really seemed to give me the knowledge, confidence, and exposure to assist me in getting opportunities to further my career. I was now working with educational policy, program approval, and the oversight and operation of grants and funding before and after these elements are implemented. I remember the point in my career when I decided to enter in school administration. One of my colleagues said, oh, you're going to the other side. I thought it was an odd comment since I was still in education. Aren't we on the same side of the students? And that was my introduction to people's personal opinions about the roles of anyone within an organization. The friction sometimes between management and employees. Well, I guess it seems to occur in any profession. Oddly enough, I received this same comment one other time from a different person when I told them that I was now going to work for the State Department of Education. I was not really shocked to hear the comment, but thought to myself, how many sides does this thing have? Well, anyway, approximately a year and a half of working for the Department of Education, I received a promotion to manager where I worked with greater oversight of federal and state grant funding to CTE programs, as well as facilitating model curriculum development for programs of study and liaison duty for STEM programs and some other duties. I was only one of a small, a small handful of staff members in the office that had experience in schools as either a teacher or an administrator or both. I was surprised to know that the majority of the staff at the DOE do not have experience in school systems. And it was a bit frustrating at times, but I did my best to help my colleagues understand the ways of the school if they needed it. 
It was a good experience to gain the policy side of education, helping to distribute and oversee a significant amount of federal and state grant funds. What I missed was working directly with teachers and staff, and especially students, to see firsthand the results of things that I could help implement, and especially success for student learning. One day I was on the phone with one of the administrators from the Vocational Technical District, and he asked me if I would be interested in applying for his job as he just accepted a promotion to a district closer to his home, and he thought that I would be a good replacement for him. It was a job as a director of career and technical education for a county district. They had over 2,000 students in five campuses and a mix of academies and career and technical education programs. It would have its own unique challenges, but all that I have done so far in my career could be applied. As well, it was 20 minutes closer to home and back to working with students, teachers, and an opportunity for creativity and cutting-edge programming. I applied, received a phone call for an interview, and realized later at that time that one of the other people considered for the position was a colleague at the DOE, the other manager in the office. It was a bit awkward. I began working in August of 2014 as a director of career and tech ed for the Middlesex County Vocational Technical Schools. My responsibilities largely consist of oversight for over 30 career and technical education programs in most of the 16 career clusters to facilitate curriculum, supplies, and equipment. I facilitate program development and approval as well as reapproval of existing programs and revisions to enhance programs and arrange partnerships for student opportunities for successful careers in current and future pathways. I supervise the hiring of CTE instructors and facilitate over a million dollars in annual grant funding. I work with district administration on facility elements, and I supervise coordinators that directly place students in community-based jobs. I oversee advisory meetings for each of the district programs and manage end-of-program and industry credential testing. I truly enjoy my job and my career. I believe now more than ever that everything in my career path has prepared me for this position. I apply a vast amount of knowledge and experience that I've acquired since I recreated my hand-me-down girls cruiser into a BMX bike. Along my career journey, usually just before a time of change, I stop to think where my career has been, where it is now, and where it should be going. But if you asked me 30 years ago where I would be at this point, I would have never guessed an accurate answer. I doubt that I would even come close 20 or even 10 years ago. I'm blessed to be where I am and doing what I am for a living. I enjoy education, especially career and technical education, and I can honestly say that I still care what and how the students are learning. Every day I look at programs and the system that I'm part of, and just like that bike, I ask myself the same question. How can I make it better? That wraps up this episode of Between the Bullet Points. My name is Sean McDonald, and it's my hope that these career stories can enlighten and inspire people that may be contemplating career choices or changes. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, please email us at betweenthebulletpoints at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of The Resume Project regarding careers, resumes, and what happens between the bullet points.